This is Fractal Marketing, the podcast for innovative entrepreneurs taking their product to market. Each show, we take an outside look at one company's marketing and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, over to your host, Jared Doyle. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Fractal Marketing Podcast. I'm Jared, and today I'm joined again by Daniel and Louise. Welcome, guys. Thanks again for having me. But of course, and Louise as well. Thank you. So, this episode, we're going to be talking about Pet Circle, the big dominating online pet food and fast becoming everything else retailer that exists here in Australia. And for me, I am now. 12 months into owning a COVID puppy. So like most people (laughs) who didn't have a puppy and did have kids, I went out at the beginning of the COVID almost looking like lockdown and found myself a little puppy, a King Charles Cavalier. And my next thing was to start ordering food and supplies online. And I found Pet Circle. Well, I say I found Pet Circle. Actually, I was given a referrer friend voucher, which got me $40 off, which $40 is $40. I am probably about what, $1,000 or $1,500 into Pet Circle now and with no plan on stopping. So I think it's a really interesting setup. Now, quickly, what are we talking about here? Ballpark online food, pet food sales in Australia used to be about $182 million a year. I think online now it's well getting close to a quarter of a billion dollar industry. So it's a big market. Pet Circle have come in, they've come in hard. I think in 2017, Ibis reported them having $80 million of revenue. So they are not mucking around in this space. And so they make a really good subject matter for us to look at. Now, for me, the first thing is how do they get me? Refer a friend. Classic e-commerce, classic marketing, nice way. It was a double-sided referral. So I got $40, I think my friend got $40. Everyone's a winner. And I think, you know, from a, from a base point, that's a great growth marketing exercise. But what I really struck me about Pet Circle and the thing that I really wanted to talk about today from my side was the way Pet Circle has turned a transactional e-com business into a subscription business. Pretty much everything on their website, you click it and it says, hey, you can get 5% off if you just put this in a recurring order. Now, you can cancel a recurring order, but you probably aren't going to do that. And they basically built it up a bit like Woolies Online Shopping, but instead of it having to go in and you start from zero every time, that subscription comes in. Look, my dog complains about the food, I guess, in dog language. But the reality is he gets the same tin food, the same dry food, and the same treats from Pet Circle. It gets delivered. I'm happy. They debit my credit card and their business grows. I actually can't see myself leaving. I've recently switching his food from Science Diet to Royal Cane, which is just another version of overpriced dog food that I'm sucked into buying. But generally speaking, what what I really idolize is the idea that they've turned single transaction, which is really tough, And I can see them front-loading through Google Shopping and SEO and everything else. But for me, the secret source to this business and what I think the takeaway from a marketing point of view is turning a customer base, not just from an email list, but into subscriptions. Daniel, what's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I can appreciate a good, you know, subscription. I don't appreciate it when you get 100 subscriptions and then you realize that you're still paying for them even if you don't use them anymore. But I guess this is more of a, this is a reminder, right? Like every, every month, if you do it every month, then it's going to be all the same products, all the same brands just dropped off at your door. 
you know, and you don't really have to worry about it and you get that percentage off. Of course, that can become a problem when your pet's not eating as much or eating too much. So there's, there still needs to, to me, feels like there's going to be that sort of change, you know, like from time to time. I, I'm not, I'm not big on, on pet circle, you know, living deep in the heart of like heart of Brisbane, it's kind of, you know, you got my pet warehouse pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's much easier for me to, to go to them than say something like pet circle as a consumer, like not as a marketer in and of itself, uh, but as a consumer, I wouldn't see myself using this subscription, uh, mainly because, you know, we will, we'll order our food and then go get it. And I, I don't have dogs cause I live in an apartment and, but I have two cats, right? And one of them is like pristine, nice cat, normal, and the other one is is a, is a little bit of a fatty. <laughs> so like, you know, we've we've got two different needs cats, and no matter how many times we put him on a diet, he just won't lose weight. And she has problems with, you know, she has to have special urinary food. So you know, we and we just have to keep buying that. But it's sometimes good to be able to go into a store, right, and be able to look around and and start sort of seeing all the products that are there and. That's actually something from a marketing side that that I that I'm starting to consider is if you don't have an in-store um, like an in uh, brick and mortar store, then what is it? The Gruen transfer, you know, like the Gruen effect. Like, how does that not? How does that happen online? Because you're not getting people into a store. You're literally sending them a package every month. So you're removing that chance to upsell as well. So I, I've got I've got feelings about it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of where I think. I was just going to say, I mean, so isn't it the same phenomenon we find with anything where it's a standardized product? So one tin of puppy science diet barley dog food is the same as another, right? It's the same product. So the fact that I can go into pet barn and see it and touch it as much as you can see and touch a tin of dog food. Actually, once I know what it is and I've got the advice, then I can make that transition to the easy, lazy life online. So for me, I think they're playing in that same space that you can go along. So my, my vet, where he goes sells that dog food, but I'm not going to drive into the vet and see them just to pick up dog food. I buy one slab of dog food because I want to be nice to the vet and they probably make more margin from that than they do on his shots. But ultimately the subscription went to, uh, to, to pet circle. So maybe it's different. Also dog and cat owners. I mean, we all know that dog owners are better, so maybe we've just worked it out. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up with dogs. I grew up with blue healers, you know, like in a sort of like a non- Non-country, country place, like that sort of mentality, you know. So yeah, I, I know what it's like to own dogs, but um, yeah, like cats are cats are slightly better. Still as annoying, but <laughs> I'm team dog. I grew up with cats, but I'm now one of the proud owners of a eleven, a nearly twelve-year-old cavoodle called Stanley, who is going out of his way to interrupt this podcast at this point. And I am much like you, lived experience. I'm a member of a competing pure play online pet store. And look at the, if we just kind of take, take a step back to the kind of nerdy marketing strategy stuff, this is your classic commodity play. I have a commodity and I used to put a big store around it to interest people. Now I'm taking the online path. And I need to find ways to take what is the same thing that everyone else is selling and make it attractive. And I was very uh, excited 
to see the subscription play because on top of being a commodity, it's very intermittent demand for their products. So some of it makes sense. You know, I, I, want, I don't want to let my dog starve, but I probably don't have a note in my calendar every six weeks. I don't have a process in myself to go and buy it. So it makes demand really hard for them to forecast to some extent because I might buy dog food while I'm out or I might think of it today or I might do it on payday. It becomes hard to predict. So they've done a couple of things that I think at a marketing level are very much about data-driven marketing and personalization to kind of drive where they're taking their marketing strategy. So that, that I think is the interesting bit now is taking what is something that everyone's selling and how do you structure your go-to-market and your offering and your pure play store to achieve the same ends of a viable business with regular custom and you know, and that you're maximizing the spend from each one of those customers. And that's really only possible because they're going to use the account information they're using, the spend information they're using, and then ideally potentially offer you a, a convenience play or subscription play through auto deliver, uh, delivery. So very interesting, you know, really mature in terms of an e-commerce marketing strategy and something that other e-commerce e-commerce startups that are listening to this podcast are worth having a look at because they're really working through that kind of maturity checklist in terms of how they're evolving past just selling something online to really, you know, tightening tightening the hold and, and getting a better data reach and understanding their users. Yeah, like to me it's when you say things like, um, you know, if, if any e-commerce startups are looking at this right now uh, and that sort of stuff, my sort of, it's not an issue with, you know, stores being online first and, and not really having that brick and mortar store, but, and it could be the next generation of everything. But I just think you're, if you put everything straight online and you're just doing all that, then you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to be fighting in such a massive global scale. If you, you know what, like if you spent what, like 50,000 getting, getting online, putting Google ads, doing Facebook ads, that sort of stuff, or 50,000 in a in like a small brick and mortar store in a local shop and that sort of stuff to grow. Like, I just think the both have their advantages and disadvantages. And I think if you are an e-commerce startup, then you really need to decide what your channel is going to be when you decide to actually go to market. That said, I, I'm still just, I don't, I don't think I would use a subscription service for pet food. I think it's like you said, it's too erratic when it comes to, um, actually booking for the booking the food getting the food wow that was something <laughs> what's your opinion so okay skipping over subscription what, what's your what's your thoughts on pet circles um, marketing strategy and what they're doing dan yeah probably getting into it a little more is um they're definitely doing the same things that a lot of these pet stores would do or a lot of these giant pet companies would do and that's you know get cute funny like adorable pets on their feed like you know if you can get your customers to um post about their pets and, and how you're using the products and those sorts of things and then you're being like hey this is all from this place then that's a really it's a very standard way of doing it especially in pet products and it works right you know no one when it comes to the realm of influencers it's almost like 
we don't really want to see as many people as we do animals. <laughs> you know, you'd much prefer to see some animals being cute than uh, some people flogging some products. Looking through some of their marketing stuff, there is, of course, things that can go wrong <laughs> when you uh, mainly look at influencers. You know, they say in Hollywood, don't work with pets, <laughs> like uh, kids and animals, you know, um, but I think in what they did is they worked really well with the pets. I don't really see them working too much with actual like human influencers. There is a conversation about uh, what happened with Pete Evans. I think it was a it was a line in in one of the um, one of the news articles that pretty much says that Pet Circle was no longer putting you know um, keeping his products uh, in their store after that whole um, neo Nazi post that he decided was an interesting take. So yeah, I I think that they have a very good channel with their social media stuff, and picking pets over humans is probably a really good way to go about it. Just looking at their Instagram feed, which is, you know, if you're talking pets and pictures, Instagram's the best. So, you know, 42,000 followers is a serious Instagram undertaking in Australia for a retail brand. And I just, their caption at the top of their uh, Instagram says, tag at Pet Circle and hashtag Pet Circle to see your furry friends featured. And so they're crowdsourcing the pictures. So as the products are arriving, people are tagging and winning or tagging just to be featured. And then they're throwing people things. So I can see someone here posted the pictures of a dog sitting on top of the uh, pet circle box and they won, what, a $15 voucher. I mean, you know, it's almost nothing. But I like the idea of getting, when you've got that big base, just getting them to produce the content. It's a picture of a dog. It's a picture of your pet circle box. I think it's easy content. Like you said, it's eye candy for pet owners because it's cute puppies and everyone doing their best. But more than anything else, for me, it's social proof. There's other people who love their dogs or their cats or their pets and they're getting pet circle. And so, you know, I look at this and go, it is low cost, high impact, social proof, social marketing. And I'm like, it's pretty simple. And to me, I like it. I think it's a great strategy and they're doing a good job. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. It's it's um it's you know if if anyone can jump on user generated content as quickly as possible when they first start, it's it's such a good way to go. Yeah. Louise, what do you think of Pet Circle? Like them, love them, hate them, think they got it all right or all wrong? I just thought I'd I'd add to your comment about crowdsourced content because it's not as easy as just kind of putting it out there. I think you made the point that they've created the hashtags. It's it's clear. But even if you notice in the photos, they've built the packaging to fit in the photo. So I remember when unboxing first, before YouTube videos were huge in that, Techies used to unbox to a video. They used to unbox their latest piece of crazy kit and tell everyone about it. And the box was just this disgusting box from somewhere that got thrown in by the UPS guy. These guys are kind of closing the loop on influencers now in that they're creating the environment for them by, you know, ingen- you know, asking them to kind of post when they receive something. They've got the packaging to go with it and they're incentivized. So tips and tricks for the kids playing at home, you know, if you want that kind of influence of play, you do need to build the atmosphere to get that great photo. Yeah, I'm a, uh, look, Pet Circle fits into a, a model of business that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's interesting to see how, as we were talking about before, that, you know, buying patterns can be unpredictable, that 
part of what they do by taking everyone into an account situation. So, you know, you're, you're logging, creating accounts, which on the surface feels like friction for an e-commerce, in early e-commerce, that the expectation was that we just let people transact. But now we really, you know, we're very comfortable with the idea and autofill in a browser always helps as well to creating an account. And it's interesting to see that there's the small things that incentivize. So on the Instagram, they're flash sales. And then if I subscribe as a member, I also get small discounts. So it's 5%, it's 10%. So it's not a big thing, but it does give me a difference between someone who's just picking it up from the store. It's making that argument that you don't need to pick it up from the store just order it online and we'll put it into a subscription for you and we'll give you a little bit of money off it. I think where they're really focused on is the time poor. It's very much their messaging outside the photos of the Instagram and and Facebook are photos of dogs. But the website itself is really pragmatic. It's free shipping, auto delivery and quick delivery. So, Pet Circle knows exactly who it's pitching at. They're pitching at people with good disposable income, very time poor, who want an account. They're the same guys that have Woolworths online, have Coles online, have, like me, subscriptions to Who Gives a Crap so you can have your toilet paper delivered online. I have a Nespresso subscription that turns up on, that turns up on my doorstop every month. You know, that's the, that's exactly the people they're, they're after. And maybe it's because, they realise that with pet ownership being so pervasive now, they don't want every person that owns a, a pet, you know, who isn't prepared to spend anything more than the whatever's on special at Coles. They're prepared to go for someone with a little bit more disposable income and they know how to get them. They're going to set them up in an account, they're going to incentivise them with small discounts and they're going to do everything to make their life easier. So I can very much see where Pet Circle is and that's probably why they speak to me because I'm probably closest to their target market for sure. I love it. the convenience part. Obviously, lots of online people play into that, but you reminded me of one of the features that I like, which I think talks to one of the you know, I guess things that, Dan or, you know, objections Daniel had, which was this idea that with the subscription of the pets, the cats or the dogs might eat too much or not enough and you need to move it. It is really easy to delay a a delivery. So for me, I log in and look down and go, oh, look at all this dog food. I can just delay three weeks. I can bring it forward. I can add more or less. They've really made it easy and at no point do they quibble about it. So if I delay for six weeks, I still get my 5% discount. Like they know the game they're playing. So I think they do that really well. And yeah, I, I think, I mean, the fact that there's a quarter of a billion dollars worth of pet food purchased online speaks to the idea just in Australia that actually, you know, the idea of it being niche and, and like you said, you know, tech nerds first started doing unboxing. It's, it's kind of everyone does it now. It's just a case of which subscription service you're going to go to. I did used to do a Nespresso service and I that cost difference between a Nespresso pod and something I get at Woolies that's that that delta's a bit too much for me to get around that but um I think I'm subscribed to most other things and and for what it's worth shout out to Flea Mail which is a fractal client has been for a long time so don't go to Pet Circle for your flea and tick medication go to Flea Mail because it's a classic Brisbane startup company run by Evan does a good job and you go local so 
it's flea and tick medication delivered. And the best bit is it's done by a vet. So Evan's a vet, he's there and you get that support. But again, I would absolutely forget to flea and tick little Jasper, my puppy, if it wasn't for the fact that flea mail turned up in a blue envelope every month and I just opened it, threw it to him and walked away. So, you know, I think we're all getting addicted to subscription businesses. It makes a lot of sense. I agree with that. I agree that we are um, almost addicted to subscription because it is that convenience factor, isn't it? The second that you uh, re like register to something, you don't really have to do much about it. Like, and, and companies like Pet, Pet Circle, you know, they're, they're not the only ones that do that delay sort of focused in their in their stuff. I think uh, Dinnerly and uh, Marley Spoon and all that are, are kind of similar. You can delay your your weekly. Um, thing right but they also segment segment that out for different meals right so they know that if you order four meals for a week you're going to get four meals for a week things like pets it's a little bit different in my mind if i was them i may consider just sending a regular sort of reminder like hey are you running out on any of your food let us know and we'll we'll order, we'll send it to you next week you know like that way they may be able to get more of more revenue per person based on when exactly they need it and so that someone's not out and is like, oh, I'm here, I'm going to buy the food and then delay my order for a month. I think there are some ways around it instead of just letting people sort of delay it. They can try to move those, move those deliveries forward or back depending on when people really need it. So I think it's about not only convenience, but also about really sort of servicing the market and servicing the person that's, that's you're focused on. I did also want to quickly bring up something that you said, Louise, really got got me thinking and you're you know it's it is people with disposable income it's it's all these sorts of you know people who are time poor as well and i really think that stuff like pet circle and all that really would go hand in hand with inf like pet influences right because taking photos of pet your pets or anything like that or or just running social media for your pet or doing all these sorts of things can end up being a full-time job so Having something like Pet Circle, you know, which would deliver these sorts of things to the influencers who would in turn post about it on their feeds is a really smart play. And whether that happened organically or they forced it to be that way is, is really cool in my mind. Yeah, I think part of the reason why they're having to do that is I've got to say at the brand level, uh, you know, they've got a lot of media coverage, but... It feels, the brand feels a little bit hollow. And this comes from a lead generation marketer where I, as long as I can sell it, I don't care what it looks like. It could be purple, but you don't have a lot of mythology to leverage. You know, sometimes good people stay with the product because of the myth, you know, where it came from, where it was originated from. That's really hard to do when you're selling a lot of different things. And they don't have a story. It's their website is very perfunctory, right? And the Instagram gives them a little bit more personality because they're leveraging the pets, right? But I feel like the influencer is another opportunity to try and tell more of a story, the story that they're kind of missing in their online store because they're, they're all about conversion rate optimization in an e-commerce setting where you just want to get something closed. But, you know, as I said, people buy from brands they like. And if they don't know you, they can't like you. So I wonder if that's where influence, the role of the influencer and the social media feeds is that it's trying to build the story that they don't really have the, they don't have the space on the website to do because it doesn't convert. So, yeah. 
I feel like that would maybe be a really it's it's going to be really interesting to watch, right? Because when you think about it, right now they're acting as the middle middle person between the manufacturers and people like the influencers to sell on to their audiences. If they're if they're sort of relying on influencers or or anybody to be the story, then eventually manufacturers could, you know, catch wind of that. <laughs> and then they could be like, hey, why don't we just go direct to influencers? Why don't we why do we need this middle person clipping the ticket, right? Well, it's true though, like influences are, especially this thing, dog influences and pet influences, just influences in general, they're all becoming salespeople and they're all telling the story for a brand. So this could be something that could be interesting to watch, see what happens. So the logic there is that, so I'm buying Royal Cane dog food, that's now in subscription. Can Royal Cane go D to C. Can they go direct to consumer, cut out pet circle and put it? Oh, probably not at the moment. I don't think it's that much of an important purchase, but you never know. But, um, you know, there are some, like when it comes to dog food brands and toys, like you've got like, in terms of premium, you've got two big brands out there that people are sort of going after. When it comes to toys, you've got a brand like Kong that like just dominating the space. I see what you're saying, but I don't think any, the funny thing is I don't think the collection of pet stuff is ever enough to make it go direct. You know, I, I don't know whether it stands, whether those people can go direct. I think the value that Pet Circle add of combining all that together into one package and also those, those economies, because like, honestly, like in terms of how efficiently they pack those damn boxes, like if you want a masterclass in how to pack a box like okay i get naked wine delivered that's easy right that's six wines 12 wines like it's standard but the way pet circle jam stuff into different size boxes and nail that delivery and it seemed to have their own fleet of delivery i'm like whoever does that if you want to launch a big multi-shaped e-com business or a multi you know package size e-com business i reckon just find out whoever did that at pet circle and then bring them on as a consultant because that is just that's top shelf that work they do there I guess, I guess that's the thing, right? It's that what happens between someone ordering and getting it delivered and, and, and who processes and does all that. And of course, I don't mean like it's going to happen in, in, in six months, a year or five years or something like that. But with everything becoming smarter and everything becoming more automated, I feel like that could definitely be a way that it's going to lead. But Louise, I think you may have some <laughs> things to say about it. Oh, no, I think it's it's certainly an issue that every person in the middle of the supply chain has got to wonder, at what point is someone going to jump over them? But I think because they cover so many different brands, you know, their risk is obviously distributed, and I think the subscription only just reinforces back to their, the brands they're carrying that they're, again, ensuring that when someone comes into the pet circle sphere of influence – they're going to stay there no matter if they're intermittent buyers or whether they just want the problem solved because that's what subscription does, right? It recognises that a thing often doesn't solve the problem someone has. I do need to feed my pet, but part of that is actually remembering to order the food, pick up the food, pay for the food, bring the food home, then give it to the dog. That's the problems I've got. Can you be a part of that part of the problem too? I've got places to be and, you know, and, and people to see. So, yeah, interesting challenge for them. I think it's a low risk, but like everything, I think if you're online, you have to be prepared to, to dig your part in, you know, build your defensible space. And I think they're doing okay on that. It'd be data, really. They're a data business that just happens to be attached to some 
dog food. And and by the way, my dog food of choice is some lovely baked zeewees, but they're far too expensive for me. So my dog gets them once in a while, unfortunately. Great. So last one-liners to summarize or give extra thoughts of wisdom on Pet Circle. Daniel, what's your, what's your one or two lines to leave people with? If I learned anything from just sort of looking at them, it's you can do very little on your side and get a lot of people to promote you and, and uh, as Louis said, and I'm stealing it, and be your story. So I think that's it. You can use a generator content is kind of really cool. I'm coming back to the numbers because you know I'm a number cruncher and I'm going to say that finding a way to make someone a subscription or a regular account holder means that your cost of acquisition is markedly dropped. If you're constantly chasing for new customers, it hurts and it's not sustainable. The more you can get to a point where only a few touch points convert someone into a data point, into an account, into a valued customer, sorry, I am talking in numbers and not in reality, that is going to drive your cost of acquisition down and it's going to give you all the data you need to provide a much better service. You know, so make those extra investments, maybe not early, but start thinking, take those theories away to try and make someone not an intermittent buyer, but that regular community member. Great. And the last thing I'll say, something that Louise mentioned before we started recording, if you don't think SEO is important to e-commerce businesses, just check out the partners and I air quote partners on a podcast where you've got Cracker Wines, Showpo, Cocoa Republic and Appliances Online. That is a incredibly powerful of little interlinking websites, conceivably only for SEO power and authority, potentially interlinked by some venture capital money, Airtree Ventures or someone I suspect behind it who's encouraged that to happen. But SEO is a massive driver of e-com. And if you get an $80 million revenue a year business and they're making that kind of consideration, don't overlook SEO for your e-com business. Guys, thank you so much for the chat and we will see you next week for another episode. See you next week. I wonder, we've gone from software to dog food e-commerce so i wonder where we'll go next space uh, travel What's yeah i was literally about to say space here we go <laughs> boys and toys bye guys see ya thanks for listening to this week's episode i hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business as always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.